Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s. And each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. Helping you unwind after a long day of work. I think he's kind of a boob. Ken really taking the day south as a person. Can't go out there and be a moron it doesn't work like that. The Nightcap. We're eating their food. On WGR Sports Radio 550. All right, I got some coffee in. Caffeinated. Ready to go. Ready to fight anybody that wants to tell me Julian Edelman is a pro football Hall of Famer. Ready to, Honestly, I'm ready to fight anybody that even wants to say it should be a conversation. Pro Football Focus, ESPN, all these accounts tweeting, is Julian Edelman a Hall of Famer? Get out of here. Edelman for the Hall of Fame. That is so, it's lunacy. Should I do this now? I I feel like I can go all night on this. Come on with the Julian Edelman Hall of Fame question. He, so Warren Sharp, one of my favorites uh, from Sharp Football Analysis. He put up a stat comparison between Edelman and Heinz Ward. Heinz Ward isn't, he can't even make the final ballot, let alone get in the Hall of Fame for five years. And Heinz Ward has 1,000 catches to Edelman's 620. He has 12,000 yards to Edelman's 6,800. He has 85 touchdowns to Edelman's 36. They both have a Super Bowl MVP and Ward has four Pro Bowls to Edelman's zero. Come on. It's it's a joke to even bring it up as a conversation. Oh, Patriot fans. I mean, there are a lot of them. It's probably why it's even being talked about. Because a lot of there are a lot of homers, Boston homers, in this country. And I think uh, a team that was as good for as long as they were, you pick up a lot of bandwagoners around the way along the way. And those people are still out there. And they want to tell you that Edelman is one of the best receivers ever. But, I mean, come on. It's it's not even worth talking about. So I should really end it there. It's, it's deadline day. Jody Biasi here on the nightcap. It's deadline day. There was really not much action. 26 trades today was the fewest on deadline day since the year 2000. I was not expecting anything to happen today. I was stunned. People were surprised that nothing was happening today. It's been building up to that for weeks. Reporters from TSN and Sportsnet, all these Canadian markets, like they're they're coming out and they're telling you, hey, 
There's not a lot of buyers. There's not a lot of teams interested in guys like Taylor Hall. There's Greg Wyshynski out here writing a piece a couple of weeks ago that he's got GMs and executives in the league telling you it might cost them more money to be good in the playoffs and to win the Stanley Cup. And is it even worth it in the first place? So I never thought things were going to happen and nothing happened. And that includes with the Buffalo Sabres after the expected. We knew Montour was going to be gone and we knew Hall was going to be gone. To some degree, they were being traded. And Montour happened over the weekend. Hall happened last night. You could even technically say that happened on deadline day. I was in here talking with Paul Hamilton at 12.30 a.m. last night or this morning. So they technically maybe made a deal today. Officially, it was announced in the morning. Um, So the Sabres got their Hall deal in. And if you heard me late last night, I wasn't stunned. I was bracing for disappointment, and that's what came. That's not a lot. A second-round pick and a bottom-six player that I'll tell you I'm I'm a little more intrigued with him than I was 12 hours ago. This is a guy that I heard Kevin, you hear Kevin Adams talking about him, like maybe in an expanded role there could be some more in there. And flipping Lazar, a player that we already know what he is, he is a fourth-line center. That's it. He's not going to give you a lot of offense. He'll kill penalties for you. He's a fourth-line center. Bjork, there are some skills there. The shot, the release, it's pretty nice. It's a quick release. It's not to Victor Olofsson level, but it's pretty good. And then you've got a lot of middling skills that you really just... All their other skills kind of hold back his shot from making him be a, a scorer in this league. So... I don't think he has the capability to even be a middle six winger in the NHL, but let's find out, right? Let's bring a guy with some unknown. I have been sick and tired of the Sabres bringing in guys where we know what they are. Time after time, you've got Matt Irwin, 33 years old, journeyman, seventh defenseman. There's nothing to find out about Matt Irwin. Riley Shan comes in to play Fourth line in place of Zemgus Girgensons. There's nothing to find out about Riley Shan. Curtis Lazar. There's nothing to find out about Curtis Lazar. Cody Eakin. There's nothing to find out. Toby Reader. All of these guys that Kevin Adams brought in in the offseason. Sounds like there was a lot of Ralph Kruger's influence. Um, and they weren't necessarily Adams guys. That crop of free agency. The additions the Sabres made this year. Before deadline day, you knew what every single one of them was at their peak. And really all you had to worry about is, is there a downslope coming? Like there was for every single one of those guys I just mentioned, save maybe Toby Reader, who's been fine so far this year. Stahl did nothing for you. Hall did nothing for you. Eakin has been a disaster. He has just replaced Vladimir Sabatka. We finally got rid of Sabatka, and here's Cody Eakin to fill his place. I mean, where is the unknown? And Bjork contributes to that a little bit. So, fine. Not a player that rates all that much to me. Not a player that is all that valuable. But I will take that trade off. And then, the second round pick. That's where we're all getting hung up. Because we would we would not have any problem. Would anybody have any issue if it was a first round pick in Anders Bjork? I don't think so. The, the whole hubbub about the Hall trade is, well, Nick Felino got traded for a first. Well, Kyle Palmieri got traded for a first. 
I almost said Anthony Mantha got traded for a first. I don't know what is going on in that trade. Detroit traded Anthony Mantha, who's fine. Like, he's a 20-goal scorer in this league. And the Capitals sent back a, a very comparable player in terms of production. A player that I would actually rather have in Jacob Vrana. They sent him back with another decent player in Richard Panic. A first and a second round pick. That trade, you can't even throw into these comparables because there's just someone fell asleep at the wheel on that one. But Felino for a first. And Palmieri for a first. The market was telling you a scoring winger is going to get you a first round pick in this in this, this trade deadline. And the Sabres didn't do it. So it looks bad. But now that we have the context of, well, Hall didn't give them a lot of options. He gave them Boston, and that was it. Maybe the Islanders were in play before they traded for Paul Mary. Maybe the Leafs even were before they traded for Nick Foligno. I don't know, but Adams today on his Zoom call said that yesterday he had a conversation with Taylor Hall where Hall said, I want to be a Boston Bruin. Now, when in the day did that conversation happen? Because that very well could have come after... The Leafs traded for Nick Foligno. Maybe before they do that, Hall was sitting there with, yeah, I'll I'll go to Toronto. I'll play for the Leafs. Maybe a week ago, he would have said, yeah, I'll play for the Islanders. But those teams found dance partners. And was it just the Sabres and Bruins left staring at each other? That's obviously what happened. Because this is the price that came. And I don't know. We will never know. What deals were offered a week ago before Paul Mary and Felino went? But to me, it's also reasonable to think that the Sabres had more on the table. And the moment that Felino goes to Toronto and Paul Mary goes to New York, all of their leverage evaporates. It's gone. Because now there's no competition in the market. And the way to avoid that would have been to make the trade early, like the Islanders and the Devils did. So, if I have one criticism of this trade, it's that it it comes with an unknown. It comes with, I don't know if this was even possible. But my one criticism of the trade would have been, I wonder if you could have got the first round pick if you had done it a week ago. Could you have? Because it's at least, it's feasible, it's logical to think that that could have been the case. But anyways, Hall to Boston, the second round pick... You know what? At the end of the day, fine. Right? He scored two goals for you. And you got a second round pick. It's still a net positive. And I know we wanted it to be more of a positive. The Sabres signed Taylor Hall. I remember where I was when the Sabres signed Taylor Hall. I'm not sure if I'll continue to remember where I was. It did just very recently happen. But everyone's got those where were you. And this is not going to be one of those moments, but right now it is for me. And in part, it was because I believe that was one of the first nights I had gone out since COVID had happened. And a buddy of mine was bartending, and I'm like, yeah, I'll stop by for one. And I walk in, and he tells me, oh, the other Sabres just signed Taylor Hall. And I'm like, okay. Quit fooling around. Like, of course, I'm not going to believe him, right? Hall is 
the top free agent on the market. He's one of the top free agents on the market in recent years. I mean, you could go back to John Tavares and argue that he was the best free agent since Tavares. The Sabres are getting him. The team that's on a nine-year playoffless streak. Getting the player that never goes to the playoffs. And that would surely want to go to a contender to finally win. The Sabres are getting that guy. And then it was like, boom. There's whoever reported it. Friedman. He's going to the Sabres. And that was a feeling of hope that we don't often get with the Sabres. And that's why I think this trade feels like a disappointment. Because that feeling, that rush that I got when I first read on my phone, the Sabres are signing Taylor Hall. I mean, you don't get that rush for, oh, we're going to get a second round pick in a couple of months. It's, it's not how it works. You wanted him to come here, and you wanted him to be a point-of-game player with Jack Eichel on the first line, and they look like one of the best duos in hockey. Maybe with Reinhardt or Skinner or Olofsson, whoever been on the other side. One of the best lines in hockey. The makings of the best line in hockey. That was the dream. That was the hope. That was what was there. That was what we were all thinking. And for all of those thoughts and hopes and dreams about what Taylor Hall as a Buffalo Sabre was going to be, at the end of the day, for it to be a second-round pick, that's deflating. And it's completely understandable why that would be the case. But if you do step back and you take away the name and you look at it, just look at the, 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 the sheer facts. It's not as bad as you think. It's not as bad as you feel is really the point I want to make. Because it was a guy you didn't own the rights to that came here when it blew me away that he would come here. You only signed him to a one-year deal. You were not stuck with it. And you got not a nothing pick. I mean, a second-round pick is, isn't that like 30% to make the NHL? I mean, it's a lottery ticket. But you got a couple of pieces that you wouldn't have otherwise had, had you not done this. So, all that to say, it's it feels deflating, but it's not as bad as it feels. And in a year, in two years, it's going to depend what becomes of that draft pick. If they, if they draft a guy with that second-round pick that's even, you know, what? Not quite Rasmus Asplund. JT Comfer? If they draft a JT Comfer with that draft pick, we're going to look back and be like, yeah, we got that guy for free. And it might feel pretty good. And it will. So, I'm not bitter about the Hall trade. I'm not bitter about the Hall experiment. I think he was incredibly unlucky all season. I think to judge him on two goals is naive. I think it's ignorant. And I think it's downright stupid. Of course he's better than a two-goal player. The amount of posts he's hit this year, the amount of breakaways that the goalie has made great saves on him this year, just missing wide. Like, he's going to go to Boston, he's going to score goals. I would bet everything on it, that he's going to produce for them on a second line. And just because he didn't hear, you know, doesn't mean he was a bad player. He carried the puck well. Not on the power play necessarily, but he carried the puck well in general. Good skater. He did create chances for this team. And it just, 
you know, it was just unlucky. It was an unlucky season, and it was an unlucky season for the team to go along with it. So, I'm not bitter about the Hall trade. I am a little bitter about the Brandon Montour trade, but not for anything that relates to Brandon Montour. Third round pick, fine. I didn't even really care what they were going to get for him because I didn't expect it to be all that much. I was bitter in that I wanted Ristolainen in Florida in a bad way. It made too much sense. Aaron Ekblad is gone for the season. They needed a guy to fill in on the top pair or on the second pair, right shot defenseman, so they don't have to play Radko Gudas 25 minutes a night. And that's not the best role for Ristolainen, but, I mean, he can do it. And if your team is as good as it is around him, like Florida's is, maybe he could be serviceable. It just made too much sense. And I am going to belabor this point until something happens. Because I don't know how it's going to end for Rasmus Ristolainen. I made I might have had the same conversation with Linus Allmark a couple of weeks ago. Where I was wondering, you know what? What is going to happen with Allmark? He's playing great. He's having a phenomenal season. He's top 10 in the NHL in every metric you could look at. Including 5-on-5 save percentage, which last I checked, he was 7th in the NHL. But, he's a free agent. And, you're nowhere in net if you get rid of him. So what becomes of Linus Allmark? Because I didn't have a good guess. Ristolainen, same thing. I don't know what's going to happen with Rasmus Ristolainen, but what I do know is there's no way he's going to be a Sabre in 16 months, 15 months, whenever he hits free agency. There's just no way. There's no earthly way. That guy is coming back here. So something's got to happen, right? And how does it end? Well, they passed on option one. Option one was moving him at this trade deadline, trying to find a contender that would pay up for a minute-eating, top-four right-shot defenseman. Florida needed one of those guys. That's why I love the idea of him going there. But, like, you don't even need to attach the name Ristolainen for this because that subject is so old and stale. Nobody wants to talk about what's going to happen to Rasmus Ristolainen. We had that conversation in 2015, 16. But something's going to happen. They pass on option one. They didn't move him at the deadline. Option two is to move him before the Seattle expansion draft in the offseason. As to then be able to protect Will Borgen, not lose him, not have to pay a draft pick to not lose him, or not choose 82 games of Ristolainen over Will Borgen, who has finally developed into an NHL player. And, like, let's see him. Not, oh, well, here you go, here you go, Vegas, because we want Risto for one more season. I mean, I'm going to be, I won't be blown away, because I guess I could see it happening. I'm going, I mean, I don't even, I don't have words. If that happens, (laughs) there's just no way that can happen, right? Yeah, he looked good with McCabe earlier in the season, but come on. It's a expiring asset that you got to move on. Because option three is you do choose 82 games of Ristolainen over Will Borgen. He comes back for next season. He plays. You trade him at the deadline. And then he's a rental. 
What's your price going to be then? Are you going to get as much for him as you would have at this deadline? Maybe not. This is, again, a weird deadline with a lot of factors that would prevent teams from buying. But a rental Ristolainen, that's not selling high. And then option, what am I at? Five is you just lose him for nothing. Because that would be amazing. All the trade conversations, all the talk about what he would get over the years, and he just walks away for nothing. And then option six would be you sign him to an extension, and I don't even want to talk about that one. I just, I will be too unhappy for the rest of this show if I go any further on that one. So something's got to happen on Ristolainen, and I was wondering if it would happen today. It did not, but by the way, on that last one, you need him to stay. That's why I'm almost not considering it as a possibility. There's no way he's staying. And the Sabres need to start thinking that way with him. If they're not already. And then, I mentioned Allmark there. I don't know what's going to happen with him. I, he holds all the leverage right now between the Sabres and him. He knows they've got nothing behind him. He's got to know it. And the Sabres will have to do something anyway because there's Ukapekalukanen is not ready to be here as a backup. And is that good for his development? Go play a bunch of games in Rochester. For goalies, that's what you want. Goalie more than any of these other positions right now, it does benefit them to be in the minors because that's where you're getting minutes. That's where you're, where you're getting games in comparison to what you would be getting in the NHL. So they need to do something in that anyway. But Allmark knows... He's got to know. The most money he can get is probably from the Sabres. I mean, he is going to be one of the top goalies on the open market, right there with Philip Grubauer of the Colorado Avalanche, who's also a free agent. So he could get a payday in free agency. He should get a payday in free agency. There are smart teams out there now. There are smart teams that will look at Olmark, look at the underlying numbers, and also just watch him. How many, how many times has Allmark been in the NHL every week does the top 10 saves videos? There was one earlier in the season where he had like four of them. He had four of the 10 best saves of the week in the league. And he had another one this past week. Like he makes acrobatic, spectacular saves. Like you could just watch him and know this guy's an athlete and he's just good. You don't even have to look at his five on five numbers to know that. But you can look at those too. The only argument against him is he can't stay healthy. And I don't think that alone is going to prevent him from getting a big deal. The question is, will the Sabres be the one to give it to him? And will he choose the Sabres one over anybody else? I question that. I question that with anybody that will have the right to leave here. Because would you stay? Would you stay for this? You're not from here. You didn't choose to come here. It's gone as poor as it could possibly go. Why would you stay? The two things the Sabres would have to sell them on is, one, you're going to get a big workload playing here, and two, we'll pay more money. I, I don't know where else they gain an advantage trying to convince Alinas Allmark to stay. And it's not just Allmark, Reinhardt, anybody that might have the opportunity to walk out the door, to flex their muscle and say, yeah, I'm out. They took a big risk by not trading Allmark today. But, you know, unless they... My caveat would be if they could have gotten a first-round pick. And I, 
after Devin Dubnik goes to the Colorado Avalanche, which shirt up their net, they were the team I was most sure they were going to add in net. And they did. Because you can't have Jonas Johansson, even though he's played well. By the way, Jonas Johansson, 920 save percentage in a couple of starts. He's looked really good for Colorado so far. That, by the way, was never crazy to me. That was never crazy. He was an AHL All-Star last year. It's not like, you know, he was an ECHL goalie that Colorado was trading for. He was a young goalie with some upside. And no one here ever wanted to consider that he had that. I always thought that. I thought that was weird. But anyway, still, you still don't want him being an injury away from having to carry them to a Stanley Cup. And Dubnik gives them a little of insurance. But I thought Allmark could have fit there. Um, maybe Toronto, they didn't do anything. The Capitals didn't do anything. A lot of these teams that I thought would have done something in net didn't. So maybe there was no market for Allmark services. Were any goalies traded today? I'm trying to think of one. I, I didn't see any that were moved. So unless they could have gotten a first-round pick, which I doubt given what the goalie market looked like today, I would have done the same thing the Sabres did. I would have brought him back, take the risk of losing him for nothing. I don't need another second or third round pick. It'd be nice to have, but I don't need it. Let me try to sign a guy that I desperately need to keep around. And if it doesn't work out, fine. At least I tried. Maybe I sell his rights a couple of days before free agency for like a fifth round pick. You know, maybe I get something in exchange later, but they need to sign him, and I am okay with them taking the risk if they weren't able to get a first-round pick, which, again, I would believe they were not. 803-0550 is the phone number. I think it's more interesting about these guys that weren't moved, Allmark and especially Ristolainen. What is going to happen with Rasmus Ristolainen? The snarky answer is he's going to play here forever, and I don't want to discount that possibility, but... I don't think it's going to happen. So let me know what you think at 803-0550. I'll get going on Edelman again, too. It's going to happen. There's 32 minutes left until 8 o'clock. There, there is a 100% chance that before the end of today's show, I will get fired up about people saying Julian Edelman should be a Hall of Famer again. So stay tuned for that. It's the Nightcap with Joe DiBiase. Thanks for listening here on WG. Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s. And each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto-pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto-pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. Baseball is back, and so is MLB.tv. Watch every out-of-market, regular season game on your favorite streaming devices. Anywhere, anytime, all season long. Follow the action live or on demand. Track four games at once with multi-view mode and catch up with in-game highlights. Plus, original programs, minor league broadcasts, and local pre- and post-game shows. Go to MLB.tv to start your free trial today. Blackout and other restrictions apply. Major League Baseball trademarks used with permission.
Jack and I do, I feel, have a good relationship. We talk. We've talked about his own situation. We've talked about our team. We've talked about previously when the coaching change was made and helping him understand why and what I felt the reasons were. And I feel good that we have that open communication. And I've, I've encouraged Jack to ask questions. The players on the ice, they feel it. They know. They're in the trenches. They're dealing with it every day. So it's valuable for me to ask them questions and listen. Sometimes it's just important to ask the right question and then listen to the answer before you, you make decisions. Sabres general manager Kevin Adams speaking with the media earlier today. You can find that in full at WGR550.com and the Odyssey app. Uh, the Edelman people, they're back. Albert Breer is the guy right now. Albert Breer, MMQB. Respect Albert Breer, um, but he is a Boston guy. Boston Globe, once upon a time. NBC Boston, I think he still does uh, work for. Um, he's out here trying to tell... Ugh. Ugh. Remember the goals to win, not make out with a spreadsheet. That's Albert Breer. I mean, oh my... Come on, have a pulse. It's not just about the rings. <laughs> it's not. Come on. You've got to be dominant to make the Hall of Fame. You can't just be pretty good and then, oh, well, you won three times, so you're in. No. It's not the Hall of who won. It's the Hall of Fame. Who were the greats at their positions? And if you come at me with Julian Edelman, I'm going to... Come on. Come on. Come at... Someone come at me with Julian Edelman's a Hall of Famer. I'll bury you. I've got numbers in front of me that will make your head spin. Eric Moulds, to give you a Bills comparable, has 764 receptions to Edelman's 620. Moulds has 9,995 yards to Edelman's 6,800. Moulds has 49 touchdowns to Edelman's 36. Players with more career receiving yards than Julian Edelman. Jeremy Macklin, Brandon Cooks, Nate Washington, Jarvis Landry, Michael Crabtree, Dwayne Bowe, Wayne Krebet, Mike Wallace, Golden Tate, Lavernius Coles, TJ Hushmanzada. I could go on and on and on and on because there's a lot of players with more receiving yards than Julian Edelman, if you can't tell. Hall of Fames. Or my pet peeve. As you can probably tell by the tone of my voice. They're my pet peeve. The standard for them is so much lower than where they should be. So much lower. But it's not about... And Hall of Fames have become a business. They are no longer about honoring the best of the best. They are about one being friendly to the players and not getting anybody mad at them if they can help it, and two, making money. And that's why I wouldn't discount the possibility that Edelman actually gets in. I think it's absurd to think he's a Hall of Famer, but is there a chance he gets in? You know what Canton will care about? Does he make us money? Will Patriots fans come to this event? Will Patriots fans flock to Canton, Ohio to see Julian Edelman get a gold jacket? If the answer to that is yes, then somehow, some way, I bet you Edelman finds a way in. And 
They'll hide behind the rings. It's going to happen with Eli Manning. Eli Manning is going to make the Hall of Fame. He has two rings, two Super Bowl MVPs. How about for the other 800 games he played? Was he ever considered the best or one of the best at his position? The answer to that is no, he was not. But are Giants fans going to come in droves to Canton to see him make the Hall of Fame? Yeah, they are. And that's why he's getting in. Those two reasons. I can't stand Hall of Fames. Edelman, I mean, come on. Jeremy Macklin. Was Jeremy Macklin ever even decent? Was he ever a pro bowler? Maybe he had a couple years in Philadelphia where he was. But holy cow. Just absurd. These Patriots fans right now. It's it's their last it's their last time they're going to annoy us for a while, I feel though. You know? Edelman's the last villain. Isn't he? Well, Belichick, never mind. Belichick is still there and he's a guy we can hate. And I'm kind of glad for that. You want a guy there you can hate. There's not enough hate in sports anymore. Where are these rivals? Where are my Chris Neals? We still got Belichick. But all the players are gone. Brady and Gronk are in Tampa. Edelman's gone. Do they have anybody else? I guess Stephon Gilmore is still there for us Bills fans at least. Um, But Edelman's gone. He was a dirty player. He was completely overrated because of who his quarterback was and the lack of targets around him. He was good. He was a very good player. But very good shouldn't get you near a gold jacket. Near it. It does make you think about the future for New England. I was thinking he would come back this year and be their starting slot receiver. They are trying to build up weapons around Cam Newton. They have done it with overpayments, but they have brought in upgrades. Kendrick Bourne and Nelson Aguilar, wide receiver, is a lot better than what they had last year. And Jonu Smith and Hunter Henry, that's... That's the biggest tight end upgrade maybe any team's ever had in an offseason. They had, they had three guys you would never heard of that wouldn't have made the Bills practice squad last year. I'm serious about that. I don't think the Patriots starting tight ends last year would have made the Bills practice squad. And they were starting. And they've gone to two guys who were the top names on free agency. Like They were trying to build up around Cam Newton. And I thought Edelman would be a part of that. But obviously no. And then... My first thought when I saw, oh, Edelman is, his contract's being terminated. That was the original report. My original thought was, oh, he's going to Tampa. He's going to become a free agent. Tampa has not re-signed Antonio Brown. And they Brady will get Edelman to come to Tampa. But that's not happening. Not the way Edelman did it. You know, I thought maybe, when even when we first saw retirement, I'm like, ah, Brady will convince him. The Bucks will convince him. He'll come back. He'll try for one more Super Bowl. But when you tweet Foxborough forever and you're announcing your retirement on a chair in the middle of an empty Gillette Stadium, there's no way he's coming back out. That's it for him. So get your nonsense about Edelman as a Hall of Famer out. Leave it at the door. 8030550 is the phone number. We'll get back to the Sabres when we come back here on WGR. We need to raise our competitiveness. We needed to raise our level in practice. We're practicing, although you guys know practices are tough right now with our schedule. But when we do practice, we've had better tempo. We've had better compete. From the data that we get after practice, the numbers show that as well. And I and what I think that's translated into is a team that can skate and have better pace and compete harder. Donnie's done a nice job. 
Sabres GM Kevin Adams. You can find that in full at WGR550.com, as well as the Odyssey app. I'm sorry, I'm getting swept up in just the absurd sheer number of good to average good players that have better career statistics than Julian Edelman. Is this good radio? I mean, I am dunking on a guy that Patriots fans, I mean, he's beloved by Patriots fans. Um, so it has to be somewhat good, I would imagine. Um, players with more receiving touchdowns than Edelman. I promise I'll get back to the Sabres. Players with more receiving touchdowns than Julian Edelman. Kenny Stills, Tyler Lockett, Miles Austin, Pierre Garçon, Mercedes Lewis, Torrey Smith, Jared Cook, Ben Watson. I mean, the list is just so absurd. Emmanuel Sanders. The Bills have three guys with more. Oh, it's so bad. Braylon Edwards. Algie <laughs> Crumpler. I mean, come on. People. Get a grip. Sorry, I gotta stop. Um, so... Adams did speak a lot about Granado as a head coach today. I don't know where people are with that. I said last week that I think the train is being built. I don't think there is a Don Granado for head coach train yet, but I think it's under construction. And he continues to get the most out of young players. And that is that is where he'll get the job. If he does get it, that's how he's going to do it. I had the numbers in front of me. I'll get them back in a second here. But since Kruger left, you look at the stats for Casey Middlestad and Rasmus Asplund and even Tage Thompson, even Jeff Skinner. Jeff Skinner's got, I think, three goals in 13 games. It's not good, but it's also not embarrassing like what was the first part of the season, the first half of the season. Um yeah, it's Middlestat. Middlestat is the guy. Well, Darlene, Yoki Haru, like, there are multiple. Don't get me wrong. But Middlestat looks awesome. And that is, I mean, that's something to hold hold your head high on. Um, I'm looking at it right now. Let's see. Since March 16th, which was the day that Kruger was fired, 14 games played for Casey Middlestat. Five goals, three assists, eight points. Jeff Skinner, four goals. I was wrong. Four goals on in 14 games played. Darlene's got six points. Asplund's got four goals in eight games. Thompson's got three goals and five points in 11 games. Again, not setting the world on fire, but you're an NHL player if you're getting a point every other game, like Thompson's doing there. I mean, you're approaching a 40-point pace, uh, just about. So that's an improvement. Um, I skipped over Reinhardt because Reinhardt uh, has kind of been playing great all season. He did three goals, seven points, and 14 games played. Um, Dylan Cousins only played six games, got a goal and an assist. I think the, the, the main guys I already read to you, though. Especially Asplund, Skinner, Middlestat. Like, these are the guys that are going to be around. These are the guys that are going to be on this team for years to come. Middlestat because of the youth. Asplund because of the youth, Skinner because of the contract. You got to make those things work. You have to make them work. And right now, I think Don Granado is doing the best job he could be doing to get this job. He is 
gunning for permanent head coach, and the way he's going about it is getting the most out of players that he knows are going to be around. So that when he goes into that interview process in the offseason, he can tangibly point to, look what I did with Rasmus Dahlin. Look what I did with Henry Yokiharyu. Look what Asplund became under me. Look what Skinner did. Look, I'm only grouping him again because of the contract. I know he's not a young player. Look what Middlestat did while I was coach. Look what Thompson did. And that's how you get the job. You sell to management, Kevin Adams, and the Pagulas that there's not a better man for the job and there's no one that's going to get more out of that group of players than me. And he's making a strong case for that right now. He really is. Yoki Haru, I should have mentioned too. Yoki Haru should absolutely be in that mix. He has looked dynamite since Ralph Kruger left. The system the Sabres are playing, the focus on the strengths of the players, and not the 1-2-2 conservative system that Kruger played, and having to be so structured and always worried about not making mistakes. Granado has flipped that on its head. And I am not yet, I might sound like I am at, let's hire Don Granado as permanent head coach. Not quite there yet. But it is hard to argue, or it's hard for him to not be growing on you. And that's happening to me. All right. Any more Edelman stats to wrap up tonight's show? There's got to be one, right? There's got to be one that I can just, you know, hit the three-pointer at the end of the game, clock ends. Um, Right now I've got open his page of... uh, Passing or receiving touchdowns. Is Nate Burleson good? Nate Burleson's got more touchdown receptions. Um, ah, I guess I've I guess I've hit, hit I've hit hit I made the point. Right, I've made the point. Come on, Hall of Fame, go away. Jeremy Shockey, more touchdown pass, more touchdown receptions uh, than Julian Edelman. That's how we're going to end tonight's show. So thank you everybody for listening. Sabers play tomorrow at the Boston Bruins in Taylor Hall. He'll be wearing number 71, by the way, if you're looking for him. He's wearing 7-1. And then Thursday against the Capitals. So you'll have me again on Wednesday and on Friday. So until Wednesday, thanks everybody for listening. You can check out all our stuff from Trade Deadline Day at WGR550.com in the Odyssey app. And I will talk to you Wednesday here on the Nightcap on WGR.